Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Give and save. It sounds great, right? In this episode of Retiring Today, we're going to tell you about a strategy that can help you accomplish just that. I'm Molly Nelson. I'm here with Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of this podcast and also here in the podcast booth, Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. And Lauren, you sit down with pre-retirees and retirees every single day, and I know you've said it before, you're amazed at the giving and generous spirit they have as they move to and through retirement. Yeah, in fact, a lot of times what we find is as people transition through the different phases of their retirement, so we call it the go-go years, the slow-go years, and then the no-go years, as they make that transition, and usually... It's the transition from the go-go to the slow-go that they start realizing they have plenty of assets to do what it is that they want to do throughout the course of their retirement. So now they're looking at how are they going to give away this excess or what they they perceive as being excess assets. And uh, when they made the transition to retirement, what a lot of them were thinking is when I'm gone, I'm going to leave whatever is left. But now they realize they have enough. So they're saying, hey, let's give this away. I can see the kids enjoy it. I can see the charities enjoy it, or at least have conversations with the charities and how they're going to use it, see what they're going to do with it. So it's just, it's a, it's a interesting thing to see the families make that transition from a time frame of a lot of anxiety when they've they initially make the transition to retirement because it's they've never done it before. There's a lot of uncertainty that, that comes with that. To they they just kind of really settle into it, feel really good about where they're at, and then start to envision all they can do with what they perceive as excess money that they don't need. Yeah, we we call this giving piece of of retirement the legacy plan. So we have six guiding principles that we use here at Merkel Retirement Planning, and the legacy piece. Legacy to me is like, yeah, what you do after you're gone. But talk to people a little bit about how when you do sit down with somebody who specializes in retirement planning, where does this charitable giving piece fall? Do you do you get through the income and some of the other pieces, the guiding principles first and then go to legacy or or how, how does the process work? It is a little bit different for everybody because it's what, where we start is what's top of mind for them. Where are their biggest concerns? Where What creates the most anxiety? And for many people, it is not giving. So that is not traditionally the, the starting point for most people. We're, we're talking about tax planning. Tax planning is something that we have to do effectively every single year. So every December 31st that goes by, that is a wasted opportunity. So we can't let those Decembers go by. So traditionally, we start with tax planning. Uh, A lot of people are concerned about when they retire, how much money can they get to spend? Where is that money going to come from? Do they have a high probability of not running out of money before they run out of time? So the income piece, the tax piece are traditionally where we'll start. And then we'll see the legacy piece come into the fold after they feel good about those two two different components. Uh, but again, it's, it's different for everybody. Some people come in and they say, hey, I, I, I feel really good about where I'm at from an income standpoint. I'm not going to run out of money. I know I'm not going to run out of money. Let's talk about the tax thing. And then let's also talk about, because it's in the same breath, really, the legacy plan that you implement, the, the living and giving, or even the giving after you're gone, can have a direct impact on your tax plan as well. Okay. So Lauren, you've got me all set up with a retirement plan. I know where my income's coming from. I feel like I'm tax efficient. I've got my health care, my long-term care situation figured out. I've even got a lifestyle plan. I know what I'm going to do with my days in retirement, but I've still got this, these charities, these, you know, places maybe that impacted me when I was in the working years or places that I feel like I really want to help them see them succeed. So now we're going to work on a giving plan. But before we talk about the strategy that we promised to talk to you about today, giving and saving, you know, we, we like that, give, save, we got to understand an acronym first. 
That acronym is RMD because that is going to come into play as we talk about this very specific strategy. So Lauren, the RMD, let's kind of, let's do a little RMD 101. What is it? And when do, when do I really need to start worrying about it? RMD stands for required minimum distribution. And this relates to the pre-tax accounts that you have, or, or for most people, it's the pre-tax retirement accounts. So the 401k plans, the IRAs, once you obtain now for most people, it used to be 70 and a half. Now for most people, it's age 72. Once you obtain the age of 72, whether you want to or not, you are mandated to take required distributions from your IRAs and the 401k plans. So if you have a million dollars underneath your pre-tax IRA, you're 72, roughly you're going to have to take out about uh, about 3.7%. So about $37,000 is what you'll be mandated to take out whether you want to or not. And when you take that money out, you're going to have to pay taxes on it. And this is that time frame. So age 72 now is the time frame that I call that when that tax torpedo hits, because it becomes a time where you lose control effectively over what your tax bracket can be. You lose a lot of that control because at that point in time, you've already turned on your social security. If you have a pension, you've already turned on your pension. You're not turning those streams of income off. Even if you wanted to, you, you couldn't. Uh, and then you have this mandated distribution. So in that example, an extra 37,000 of taxable income on top of your pension and your social security income, that is going to set the minimum tax bracket that you are now going to be in for the rest of your life. And that's considering that tax brackets stay the same. Now, most people think tax brackets are going to go up. So the time frame to engage in this type of tax planning is really from the time that most people retire up until their RMD age. That's a significant tax planning opportunity. Now, even if you're 72 plus, there's still some tax advantages that you can, tax advantage strategies that you can engage in. And that's uh, kind of what we're going to talk about here. And to simplify it, is it easy to say the higher my RMD, the higher my tax bracket? It can. Yeah. Uh, so let's take, let's take that same example. I said you have a million dollars of pre-tax money, $37,000, roughly year one. Let's say you have $2 million. So now you're looking at $70,000 of mandated income that you, you can now, now cannot control. And every year, the percentage that you're mandated to take out goes up. So if you're taking out roughly 3.7%, but you had a really good year in the market and your portfolio grew by 15%, well, now you're going to have to, your portfolio is bigger the next year, but then also the percentage of that bigger portfolio increases as well. So even next year is going to be even more painful than year 72. And I suppose there's two ways you can think about RMDs. For some people, this is not a bad thing. They, they're going to use this money for income. It's right into the plan. They need it to live and eat and travel and all those things. And then there's another camp that, that doesn't need to use it for those daily or monthly living expenses. Doesn't need to or doesn't need to use all of it. So there's some, you know, and there's a lot of families that we work with that it's, it's a nuisance to them because they're now 72, 73, 74. They have to take this money out. They don't want to, they don't want to use it. They don't want to spend it. They prefer to keep it underneath the tax deferred account. So the conversations are, what can we do with it? What can we do with it to minimize the tax impact it has on them in that year? But then also what's next? They don't want to spend it. They could put it in their savings account, which is going to make them nothing. They can't put it back into their IRA. So what is the best option for that money? And that all goes into their plan as well. Rochelle, if you had to quantify how many uh, acronyms are used in the financial industry, retirement planning industry, what would you say? 
I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> so There's many. too many to keep track of. Well, we're going to introduce another one. Okay. You've probably heard of it if you're listening, but we're going to, again, we talked about strategy to give and save. Here comes the other acronym. It is, drum roll, QCD. So the RMD, the QCD, they're kind of related here. So let's go into the QCD. What is it? Qualified Charitable Distribution. So this is this is something that has really really picked up in utilization since the 2016 tax act change. So what in 2016, what happened is our standard deduction nearly doubled for, for most people, which means that over 90% of Americans, taxpaying Americans are not itemizing their deductions. They're taking the standard deduction. So before 2016, people could make a charitable contribution. They'd receive a tax deduction. It benefits them, benefits the charity. Everybody's happy. But now because most people are taking the standard deduction and not itemizing, then they can they can give, but they're not going to receive that that tax benefit, that tax deduction that they would have prior to 2016. And remind me, the standard deduction is $25,000. So it only makes sense to really keep track if you're giving more than that, or is that way too simplified? The, the standard deduction depends upon your age. It can actually actually be in excess of 25,000, but let's just, for to make this conversation easy to get the point across, yes, let's just say it's 25,000. So yes, what you would have to do is have uh, deductions that you can itemize in excess of 25,000 in order to not use that standard deduction. And most people they don't want to give more than 20 or can't give more than $25,000. So if they're giving $1,000 or $5,000 even, they're not going to reach that threshold where they're going to receive a tax benefit from it. And one of those ways to get the tax benefit is the QCD. And this is where the QCD comes into play. So you're eligible, and this is uh, some of the complexity, and this just changed January 1st of 2020, is you're eligible to make a qualified charitable distribution starting at the age of 70 and a half. So now most people are not el- most people are not required to take a distribution until 72. So if that's you and your RMD age is 72, you can still make a qualified charitable distribution starting at the age of 70 and a half. What it means is you take the distribution direct from your pre-tax IRA or your, or your 401k plan. And instead of you taking receipt of that distribution, it goes direct to a charity. So it goes direct to the charity, and then therefore it qualifies for the charitable distribution direct from the IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on that distribution. So you're taking the money out of the IRA, it is sufficing what is mandated from an RMD standpoint, and you're not having to pay taxes on it because you're not taking receipt, it's going direct to the charity. And you're using a lot of terms here that may or may not be new to people, but sometimes I like to simplify things. So when you say mandated, of course, mandated by the IRS, right? All these terms that we use in, in this this QCD, it's not like a product. It's really just what an IRS way to look at how you uh, move your money out of these pre-tax accounts. You are correct on all accounts. It's the IRS mandate. So the IRS is saying that we have to take these distributions. The QCD is not a product. It's not a savings account. It's not an insurance. It's a strategy. Strategy. And so basically that distribution, if you do it correctly, will qualify as a charitable distribution that you do not have to pay taxes on. So your benefit is you are you suffice what the IRS mandate is. You do not have to pay taxes on that distribution. Again, this is money that you don't want to spend. You do have charitable ambitions. This is a way to co- combine those things. And the charity does not have to pay taxes on that donation either. Okay, so let's talk about if you do it correctly. That is a key word. You do not want to take this money from your IRA and have it distributed 
to yourself personally and then give it to charity because you've lost the tax benefit altogether. So the key is, is the check has to be made payable to the charity. So the custodian, let's say you custody, uh, the, your, the custodian you use is Fidelity. So you have your IRA Fidelity. You make sure that Fidelity makes the check payable to your favorite charity. They can send that check direct to the charity or they can send the check to you. So you do take physical receipt of the check, but it's made payable to the charity and then you turn it over to the charity. It just can't be made out to your name. And it's worth noting it maybe could be your favorite charity, but for sure it has to be a 501c3, which again is another IRS. You, you apply as a charity to get the 501c3 designation and this QCD strategy only works on those types of charities. Very important distinction, Molly. Thank you for, for offering that. It does have to be a qualified charity. I get this question all the time. Can my charity be my kids? Can my charity be my grandkids? My grandson is wanting to go to college and the student, uh, the tuition is really expensive. Can that qualify? The answer to that is no. It has to be a qualified charity and made payable to. And I think we should go back and talk a little bit about, because uh, we started with RMDs and we talk about age 72, and then we're talking about the QCD at 70 and a half. That could get a little confusing. So the good news is you can start a QCD before the RMDs, because my understanding is when the QCD was first what enacted, let's use that word, it was 2006, that's when RMDs were at 70 and a half couple good things about starting it early if that works for you it can really lower your rmds for the future right you sure can because you can contribute up to a hundred thousand dollars per taxpayer so again going back to the million dollar ira example you have a million dollars you can donate and qualify as that charitable distribution up to a hundred thousand dollars even though your rmd may only be thirty seven thousand so let's say you do that. You donate uh, through the Qualified Charitable Distribution $100,000. That's $100,000 less that's going to be in that calculation to determine what your required minimum distribution is going to be that following year. And you can do that every year. So I have families I work with. They take advantage of that max. $100,000 for uh, Mr. Jones, $100,000 for Mrs. Jones. And then that's $200,000. That's not going to be... Uh, in the calculation to, to determine what their required distribution is. Yeah, because essentially the balance of that IRA is going down. Okay, let's go to the other side. Let's say your RMDs have kicked in at 72 and you need some of them to, to meet your retirement vision, to get your daily living expenses met, but some of them you want to give to charity. Is, is that okay? It is okay. You can do that just fine. Let's say the RMD is $10,000. You need 3000 of that to do what you're trying to do from a lifestyle standpoint. So you can take the 3000 monthly, you can take it out lump sum, and then you still have the remaining 7000 Or if you want to go up to 100000 the remaining 97000 that you can incorporate into a qualified charitable distribution strategy. Okay, I'm going to fire off a few FAQs on QCDs. You ready? Do I receive an income tax deduction? For a QCD, do you receive an income tax deduction? No. So you do not receive an income tax deduction. It's basically what happens. It's, let's say your QCD is $2,000. That's just $2,000 that you're not paying taxes on. It's not considered a, de a deduction. Uh, you're just not going to pay taxes on the $2,000. Is my 401k eligible for making the QCD yes. distribution? Yes, it is. How do I report my QCD? That's an interesting one. This is going to, because the IRS does not have a QCD 1099 form. There's not a special form that you're going to receive from the IRS. So if you, let's, let's say you take $10,000 out of the IRA, 3000 of that was QCD money, 7000 you spent, 
you're going to get a 1099 for $10,000. And then it's, and it's going to be the same uh, 1099 is just saying you took $10,000 out, out of the IRA. So it's incumbent upon you then to make sure that you designate that 3000 of it was for a QCD so you're not paying taxes on it. And then you need to keep that documentation because if you get audited, again, the IRS is going to see you took $10,000 out of an IRA. You only claim 7000 from a taxable distribution standpoint. So where's that documentation to say you shouldn't have been taxed on that $3,000 QCD? We talked a little bit about initiating the QCD through the carrier, rather. I think you used a fidelity example. But if this is all... It feels like a lot of moving parts. If you're working with a retirement planner, is initiating the QCD something your team will do for you? That's something that our team does. Uh, so what we need is uh, through our tax planning conversations, we'll have a conversation of you are 70 and a half, you're eligible for the QCD. Do you want to engage in the QCD? If so, how much? We gather the details. And then we need the name of the qualified charity. We fill it out in the paperwork. They We need a signature. And then that's it. And then the custodian takes care of the rest. So... Just to hammer this one home, what if I take my RMD and then I give it to charity? If you take the RMD and it ends up in your bank account and you give it to charity, it is a charitable contribution, but it is not a QCD. So depending upon how you file your taxes, do you take the standard deduction like most people or can you itemize? If you can itemize, you will receive a tax benefit. But if you're like most people, that tax benefit's gone. And can I give to more than one charity through the QCD? You can give it to as many qualified charities as you want to. It's uh, it's a, it's different paperwork. So you need different paperwork for each charity. So it, it can be a little bit cumbersome if there's 10 different charities. But yes, you can do that. So you might be wondering if this strategy is right for you. Here's a great opportunity to talk about your specific situation when it comes to charitable giving. It's a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call. You can schedule one right now by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. And Lauren, you had kind of a strategy you really wanted to walk people through that shows the power of the QCD. Yeah, and this is something that's overlooked all the time. What we talk about on the show quite a bit is how the retirement plans evolve, how the retirement plan changed or life changes, the legislation changes. So we need to stay on top of all of these different uh, items of your plan to make sure you're utilizing these strategies the best to your power. And the QCD is one of those that gets missed frequently because you're only 70 and a half once. And many people are not uh, in tune to these different strategies. And again, the legislation just changed to impact us. So let's say uh, you're 69 years old. You've always been donating to charities. You have a charitable heart. Uh, let's say you've been donating to your church. That's a pretty common scenario. Uh, and let's just say you donate $2,000 a year to the church. Well, now all of a sudden you're 70 and a half and you still are giving that same cash donation to your church where what you could be doing is taking it direct from your IRA because that cash donation most likely you're not receiving any tax benefit from the church is benefiting from it, but you are leaving a tax benefit on the table because you can then transition your distributions from the IRA. It, you're not going to pay taxes on it. The church is still going to benefit just as they always would. They're not going to pay taxes on it. And so it's just diverting where you're giving these charitable donations from. And then 72, now you have to take distributions out. If you want it, great. That's one thing. If you don't want it again, take, take the, you use your the amount that you want to donate to your charity, your church, and take it from the IRA. But I would say even if you do want it, I would take that money from the IRA. You you need a certain amount of, of cash flow every single month. And now it's a matter of where is that cash flow going to come from based on 
the different resources you have. So if, if you were donating from the checking account, you, you might as well make the donation from the IRA. You're not going to be taxed on that. And then you could use from a spendable income that $2,000 you were taking from the checking account. What's the difference between a QCD and a donor-advised fund? The donor-advised fund is another tax strategy which has increased in popularity because of that standard deduction increase. Essentially, what, what happens with the donor-advised fund is you are making a contribution to a fund. And then from that fund that has your name on it, you can distribute those donations out to other charities. So this is, this is a strategy that people... People can make contributions to this fund, not donate direct to a charity, but to a fund, build up their their resources underneath this fund because it can be invested. You can invest in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, anything you want to underneath that fund. And then you can dole out those those charitable gifts as you go down the road. One of the things to keep in mind with the donor advice fund is it is permanent. So when you make that common contribution to the donor advice fund, you cannot say, whoops. I didn't want to make that $10,000 donation. Can I get that money back? You can't. If the money is underneath the donor advice fund, when you pass, there's a beneficiary on the donor advice fund, which now they are in charge of doling out that money to the charities. But again, they can't get that money for themselves. The money that you put into the donor advice fund, does it work the same way as the QCD where you can use IRA, RMDs, and then not count that as taxable income? From the donor advised fund, it works a little bit differently. Um, you cannot do a QCD to a donor advised fund. You can take the RMD and use that to contribute to the donor advised fund, but your tax benefit is different. If it's a cash asset, then you get a deduction up to 30%. And if it's a non-cash asset, then you get a deduction up to 60%. So it's not a dollar for dollar tax benefit like it would be if it was a QCD. So the benefit you get from a QCD, you donate $2,000, you're not paying any tax on that money. Whereas this, you're getting a deduction of somewhere between 30 to 60%. Is the QCD probably more common then? It's, it's easier. I wouldn't, I would, yeah, I would say it's probably more common because it is easier. The tax benefit is perceived to be a little bit better. The donor advised fund, there's uh, you got to jump through a few more hoops. I mean, it is a fund that you set up and then every year you can determine if you want to make a charitable uh charitable distribution from that donor advised fund if you want to. Or you may just want to set it up and let it sit for a while and you and use it later to make like a big donation to something. Yeah, some people will do that. Also, one of the strategies with the donor advised fund is is people use what is deemed a bunching technique. And the bunching technique, what that means is, let's say your standard deduction is 25000 Well, if, if you donate $10,000, you're not going to get a tax benefit from that unless you have other itemized deductions that will exceed the 25000 So let's say that your, your capacity to donate this year is 20000 You plan on being able to donate 20000 next year. Well, instead of doing 20 this year, 20 next year, you'll do 40 this year. And then you'll and you'll do the forty thousand to the donor advised fund. Then you can itemize because you're over the twenty five thousand dollars standard deduction, and you receive a bigger tax benefit for doing that. And then the next year, you're not going to donate to the donor advised fund, but the charity doesn't miss out on their donations because you can donate direct from the donor advised fund. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. So basically, you're bunching your donations to get a bigger tax benefit. But the charity isn't missing out because you're still making your donation from from the donor advised fund sure. this year and then also the following year. 
Yeah, and I think I suppose when it comes to giving, Lauren, there's a lot of ways you can you can give. Some people want to, like you said, give while they're still alive. They want to see the charity receive the money or see the good that the charity can do. You know, a lot of times charities are fundraising for something very specific, equipment or, or, or a goal, and you want to be a part of that. Or for other people, it's something they want to see happen after they're gone. So the the conversation, just like a lot of retirement planning, has to be exactly what you want. And the whole plan has to be very specific to you and your goals. It has to be customized because your goals are probably different than somebody else. So we just want to make sure that whatever your ambitions are, I mean, this is, this is your money and you've worked hard for this money. You should be able to see this money, do what it is that you want it to do. And we need to take advantage of all the different tax laws, legacy laws, uh, even as they change to make sure that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck with these charitable donations. So again, if you want to talk about your legacy ambitions directly with a retirement planner, you can go to MerkelRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E and schedule a 15-minute retirement checkup call today. We'll continue talking about all of the pieces of your retirement vision on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Let's do it. All right, FAQs. Uh, another RMD. Frequently asked questions. Do I receive another no, another, no. No. another acronym? <laughs> what I say? Another <laughs> RMD. Another RMD. <laughs> you guys, I've got RMDs on the brain. What is happening to me? Thank you. FAQs. Frequently asked questions. Okay, QCDs. And, and, oh my goodness. 